Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is The Greatest Gift, Part 4, Myrrh, Sacrifice, recorded Sunday, December 25th, 2022. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here are Rachel and Scott with today's message. Merry Christmas. So good to be with you this morning. Welcome to everybody who made it here in person. And if you are joining us online, we're so glad to have you. If this is your first time at Third City, we wanted to share just a little bit about our church. We meet every Sunday at 9, 10, 15, and 11.30. And we have kids programming every Sunday, Wednesday nights, kids and students programming. We would love to help you, you your family get connected at our church. Um, so if you have any questions at all, please stop by the plaza and the hub. You can get more information there. There's someone that would love to chat with you about what that could look like. Now, if you're anything like me, this is a busy run, right? Just December all together is a busy run. But we're here. It's Christmas morning. Maybe like me, you might have, probably many of us don't have kids that are opening up gifts at home right now. But um, I woke up early, got the kids opening their gifts. It was such a special morning. Um, But we're here. We made it. And so we want to just collectively take a moment to take a breath. So would you do that with me? Just take a deep breath. Yeah. Merry Christmas. And, you know, we've probably all heard this story many times before. I know I have. You might have heard the story of Jesus' birth over a hundred times. But we still believe it holds power today, especially today. And we know many of us came in carrying different things this morning. And so we wanted to just focus on this story. And we're hoping that this is new for you in some way this morning. So Luke 2, 2 says this. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for a baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Several weeks ago, I had an opportunity to go to Nairobi, Kenya, and I met a little boy there named Joseph. I recently started sponsoring Joseph with my family, and up until that point, I knew very little about him. But his social worker was so excited, and she said, oh, you have to meet Joseph's mom. And so she took me outside of the school gates, and right around the corner was Joseph's home. And I walked up to this home that was about eight by eight feet. It was a little bit bigger than our manger here. And walked inside, had dirt floors, siding similar to this, 
Um, and there was one twin mattress. That's it. No kitchen, no bathroom, one twin mattress. It was a little bit damp because it had been raining. And Joseph's mom is a domestic abuse survivor. She's raising her four children. Joseph has three older sisters. And they all sleep in this home. And I've been thinking a lot about Joseph all month. And I've been thinking a lot about the kids in our communities with great needs. In Grand Island alone, there are over 250 children who are homeless. And it's easy to wonder, where is God at in all of this? And I found myself asking that this month. God, where are you at? Where are you at for Joseph? But the story that we just read, the story that we are celebrating this morning, is the story of a God who came to earth as a child without a bed. That is Jesus' story. He could have come in any way that he wanted, right? He could have been born as a king. He could have been born, lived in a mansion. But God chose to come and be born to an unwed teenage mom. He chose a father without a scent to his name. God chose a family with no power, no prestige. God entered this world as a child without a bed. And maybe you are here this morning or you're listening online And the truth is, you're carrying something that's a little bit heavy. And maybe your desperation is not the same. It's not that you don't have a bed, but it's a feeling of hopelessness. Or maybe you've been caught in an addiction. You might be in a marriage that is holding on by a thread. You may be grieving the loss of someone or missing someone today. You might be listening to this as you sit in a prison cell or lie in a hospital bed, but the story of Christmas is that Jesus is here. He has not forgotten you. He knows your name and he says, I choose you. I choose you. And so whatever you're carrying this morning, know that Jesus sees you and he welcomes you. And wherever Jesus is, there is always hope. And so this morning as we continue to worship our Savior, we wanna encourage you to fix your eyes on Jesus because he's here and he's hope. Let's pray. Lord, we're so grateful for Christmas. We're so grateful that you stepped into this world. Lord, we're so grateful that you stepped into our desperation. God, every single one of us has a story. Every single one of us has a need for you. And so, Lord, we come to you humbled that you would choose us, humbled by your love for us. Father, thank you for your son, Jesus. We worship you this morning. Amen.
I, I don't know how you are about Christmas traditions, and I think everyone has a few they like. I, I was uh, asking people on our Rhythms message board if they would share with me some of their, their favorite Christmas traditions and had a really good response there. So a few people said things like this. Kimberly said that her that she has two special nativity sets that were given to her by her paternal grandparents. And uh, she said it seems silly, but those just bring me absolute joy when I set them up because they all the memories that come back to her at that time. Uh, Kathy wraps storybooks specifically that tell the story of Christ. Her kids open one each night during Advent. The kids know that they're not new, but they look forward to it just because it's the tradition of their family and, and they enjoy it. Uh, Joe talks about some things that her family did, and they, they like to open presents one at a time. So, you know, some of you probably do this where you, know, you start with the smallest person in your family and they open a present and then go to the next person and then just keep repeating the cycle. It must take them like three years, I have no idea, but you'll have to ask her about that. <clears throat> Doreen remembers that when she was a kid, they, uh, they had to open their presents after they ate breakfast. So she said it was just a torturous experience. Uh, the, the, the Christmas tree was in a room that you had to walk by to get to the dining area. So they would blindfold the children so they couldn't see the presents. And she said, I, I could never make myself do that to my kids. It was too cruel. But then she looks back and says the anticipation was fun. Mark is impressed by his mother-in-law, Barb, who spends months knitting stocking caps and sending them to children who are in disadvantaged situations. And Mark says she can out-knit 20-year-olds. And by the way, she fell today. And uh, so I, you might say a, a prayer today for Barb, and hopefully she's doing okay. Uh, Monica says that hearing, come on, ring those bells, reminds her of being with her grandma when they would bake Christmas cookies. So she has that memory to go back on. And for Diane, it's Dean Martin Christmas music. And she says, I start playing that weeks ahead, my poor husband. And I will say amen to that. But she loves decorating her house. She has a snow globe that's like the perfect little idyllic Midwest town. And, and she said, you know, in, at my house, the philosophy is only happiness and joy may enter here during this season. Well, I don't know, you probably aren't going to be surprised to hear this from me, but I like the food. I, uh, yeah, I really like it. I, I try to, I'm trying to be healthy. I've tried to change some things. But this is the one day of the year that I, I just, I just, I feel like it's almost un-American, maybe even un-Christian, not to eat really, really, really great Christmas food. So you're all off the hook for one day. Now, tomorrow, we've got to get back on track. But my favorite tradition is when we come together to worship Christ. And I, so that's why I'm glad we're here today. Somebody asked me, how, how do you feel about being here today? I love it because I'm here with, with people who want to do what I want to do the most, and that's to honor Christ on this day. And uh, what really makes Christmas special for me is Jesus. And I believe, as Rachel's already talked about, that he's our greatest gift. And so therefore, why wouldn't we? And I'm glad you're here because the message being here today is this. It's very simple. God is here. God is close. He's here with us. God with us. As a matter of fact, the scripture says this, Matthew 1.23, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means, it means God with us. 
So what does that mean to us, though? I mean, you know, it, we, we, I think we all get that. You wouldn't be here at 9 o'clock a.m. on Christmas morning if you didn't have some understanding of this message. But there's at least four things that I think we can tie into with this message of hope. The first is that he's God. He's God. I mean, it has to start there. I mean, God with us, if it's just anyone with us, it's different. This is God. And, and, and to, to wrap your mind around that, that the glorious one is here with us. Several years ago, <clears throat> I was invited to an, give an invocation at Central Community College for their graduation ceremony. And um, uh, the keynote speaker for that event was then newly elected Tom Osborne. And most of it, I think anybody in this room probably knows who I'm talking about, Tom Osborne. But for, for, for 10 minutes, the coach and I stood on the, in the, uh, off, just off stage, and we had a chance to visit. It was, for me, it was remarkable, you know, with the guy, you know, in this state, the guy. A pretty big guy in my life. And I'm not an autograph hound or a photo bomber, but I, it was special and it was exciting for me to be in the presence of that man. And he was so nice and gracious. He asked me questions about our church and wanted to know about us. And he asked me a little bit more about my ministry and where I'd been. And, and you know, we told some stories about that. And he had some too about those places because he's been pretty much everywhere. But, uh, and, and, and you know, when you're with someone like that, it really does... It's special, isn't it, to be with someone who's accomplished so much in their life. And it was making me think about us today in this moment, how shouldn't we feel that a thousandfold, knowing that we're in the presence of God himself, that God is with us in this moment, that God is with us in all moments. Actually, John 1.14 says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. It's one of the many, many things I love about Jesus is that he came to be one of us, with us, and that doesn't, he even did it differently than you might think. He didn't come, you know, to the most famous, the most, you know, he didn't go to the Tom Osborne's of the world, into the most, you know, the most privileged places of the world. He didn't go into palaces. He started out in a, as Rachel pointed out, in a setting much like the one that we experienced a couple weeks ago, in a, in a very lowly circumstance. And he showed this throughout his entire ministry, how he, he loved to be with normal people, regular people, working class people. He was a working class man himself. He, he came in, in lowly circumstances. He loved to be with children. And even though he spoke with great authority, he did so with humility. And that makes him different, too. If anyone would have the right to be egotistical, wouldn't it be him? And yet, he came in such a humble circumstance. That's the story of Christmas. And it's the story that we love so much. Now, I was thinking about this week how absolutely awesome the God of the universe is, and I can't even explain it to you. I'm going to try a couple things, but they aren't going to do him justice. And then to realize that that same awesome God did what Jesus did. So think about it this way. 
Light travels at something like 186,200 miles per second, which even that is hard to fathom. So I'm going to count to three, and then I want you to snap your fingers, okay? Ready? One, two, three. In that period of time, in that snap, it, light could have circled the earth six times. The sun is 93 million miles from earth, and as you know, the sun is the closest star to the earth in our solar system, and so, uh, you know, and the next star is just millions and millions of miles past that. So, and yet when you go outside today, and if the sun's shining and the sun hits your face, the, the heat hits your face, the, the light hits your face, it would have taken only, only eight minutes for the light to get from the sun to your cheeks. Uh, to me, that's pretty amazing. But, but, but that's why Christmas is especially amazing to me. Because the same God who put all of that in place and so many other things that I can't even describe is the God who chose to come into our world in time and space to save us. It blows my mind to comprehend that. I like how Psalm 8 puts it, verse 1. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens through the praise of children and infants. You have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, just this is just a man or human being writing about this, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you're mindful of them? What are human beings that you care about them? That's a good question. And it makes the story really overwhelmingly remarkable about Jesus, that God who exists inside and outside of the space-time continuum and dimension also has you surrounded and he's, he's with you. He, you need to know that because some of us feel like in this world, like the world's crushing us and like God doesn't care about us. He might care about somebody else, but he certainly doesn't care about me. And, and some of you probably this morning come here feeling very exposed and unprotected. But when the scripture says God with us, it means that God is surrounding you. It means that he's, he's aware of you. And I don't know what you're going through. Maybe you're, everything's great for you. I hope so. That's great. But maybe you're sick. Or maybe you're, you're hurting because of life's trials and tribulations and how you're managing or not managing those situations. Maybe you're struggling. But he's God. And, and I'm sorry if you're going through hard things. But please know this. God is here. He's here. He is with us. With us. I, I like how the psalmist puts it in Psalm 139, verse 1. He says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with, with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. And that's kind of humbling, isn't it? You hem me in be behind and before. You, you lay your hand upon me. 
Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. A.W. Tozer said this, God is above, but he's not pushed up. He's beneath, but he's not pressed down. He's outside, but he's not excluded. He's inside, but he's not confined. God is above all things presiding, beneath all things embracing, and inside all things filling. That is the imminence of God. He's present. He, he's present with the granddaughter who's going to go see her, her grandmother at a care facility today who's lost all comprehension of who she even is. And uh, even though she doesn't know her name, God knows her name. And he's in the words that you'll speak today. He's with the nurses at CHI and at regional today who are going to put in a long shift to make sure that people are cared for. And they're going to hear the cries and the tears of families today who are going through hard times. But God's with them as they go into those circumstances. He's with the faltering voice of a father who can't seem to find the right perfect words to to say in the prayer that you're going to have today at family dinner, but you know it's important for you to pray for your family and to lead that example. He's with you in those words. Don't worry about it. He's here with you. He's with you if you have a depressed friend and you're going to give them a call today and you're going to encourage them. He's with you. He's with you in the reassurance of a voice of, uh, that's handing out food for someone who is, is, is struggling in life, maybe at the gathering table. He's with you as you share tears of grief with someone else. He's in those tears and he's with you in that circumstance And he's with you in the prayers of the mother or the grandmother who will never give up praying for their children or grandkids even though their children or their grandchildren are acting like they don't care about God. He is with you. Don't doubt it. The the God who is fully capable of operating 15 million light years away is right here with us. So he is God. He is God with us. And he's God for us. That's That's a third thing that I wanted you to know. He's for us. Uh, Rachel set this up for us and she talked about how Jesus came into the world without a bed, which is really a a remarkable thing. Uh, There's a lot of children in the world that don't have a bed. There are a lot of kids that that live in shanties, but that's the God that we know, the God who came into that scenario, not into wealth, not into affluence, but into poverty. And that's amazing to me that that's how he, I think he did that to show all of us he's for us. And I wonder if we lose sight of something that God is for us. I I think we can fall into this trap of believing that God is coming after me, you know, but he's not for me. Like like he's he's out to get me or something. Or or we have this view, and, and it's just so wrong, but it is so common, of the Santa God who bases the rewards of life based on whether you've been naughty or nice. It's kind of like the story I heard about a kid named Benjamin who uh, uh, he, he, he'd had kind of a rough year, but he wanted to go right to the man upstairs with his request. And I'm not talking about Santa now. I'm talking about God. He's going to start there. So there was a major scene in his living room. He went in and, uh, and uh, took a pants, paper and a pen. He was going to write a letter to God. And he said, Dear God, I've been a very good boy this year. 
And then he realized he hadn't, so he ripped it up, threw it down on the ground. And so he started over. He said, Dear Jesus, I've been pretty good. Uh, nope, not really. She can't say that either. He knows everything. Uh, so he took another stab at it. Dear Jesus, I've had some good moments. Well, it wasn't very compelling. So he thought, I've got to take another approach here. So he went to the kitchen drawer. He got out a tea towel, and then he came back to the manger. He took the figurine of Mary and wrapped it in the towel, took her and put her underneath his bed, kind of pushed her back in there, came back out to the manger scene and got his pencil and paper. Dear Jesus, if you ever want to see your mother again. <laughs> now, that is a horrible story, and I don't think it's true. Some, some wacko like me thought that up. But, but sooner or later, sooner or later, I think we're all prone to employing these kinds of tactics with God. You know, where we, we if God, if you do this, then I'll do that. God, if, you, if you'll deliver here, then I'll deliver. You know, we, we kind of manipulate. We, we can be that way. And, and like we expect something from God because somehow we deserve it. And then we start thinking about that. If you're like me, at least you go, I deserve what? I certainly don't deserve the good stuff because I know what I am. Now, no matter what you came to this space thinking about God and yourself, for that matter, I hope you leave here at least knowing this, that God is for you. And he proved it to you because he came for you. It's as simple as that. Jesus came for you. And he came to save you. In, in Isaiah 30, verse 8, it says, In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. So he came to save us, but there's a connection point that I make with him in that regard. And that is, he calls it repentance. And there's this idea of rest, meaning that, that I trust him. I rest in him instead of my own laurels. I come to him. I rest in him. And what does he give? He gives salvation. He, he gives quietness. He gives trust. He gives strength. Because there's one more thing about this scenario of Jesus coming into our world God with us, and that is that he wants, to do, he wants to do life in you. He wants to do life through us, through us. This is amazing to me. It's ultimately what he wants. He wants to live in our lives. He wants to be, he wants to move through you. Colossians chapter 126 describes it this way, and it says right up front, it's a, a mystery. It's, it's not something easy to grasp. He says it's a mystery that's been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. Disclosed because Jesus came in, that's why. To them, to the Lord's people, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, anyone who's outside of Christ, the glorious riches of his mystery, which is what? Christ in you. That's the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's a glorious mystery how the God of all creation 
could, could in Christ dwell in us, not just for like 33 years while he was on the earth 2,000 years ago, but he's here, he's with us, he's within us. I can't even begin to explain what that means, but what it does mean is there's some things he wants to do through us. You know, in just a few minutes, we're going to sing the, the carol, O Holy Night. It's one of the old classics. And part of the lyrics say, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angel voices. Oh, night divine, the night when Christ was born. It changed everything. That Jesus is alive. That Jesus came. That God came in. He, that he came to us. He came for us. He came and he wants to come through us. He wants to, us to be his voice piece for others. One of the best ways that you can let God live through you is to give hopeful words to other people, to speak words of hope and encouragement. You know, when you're going to those various events over the next day or a few days, go in with the idea, I'm going to bring hope with me. I'm going to bring God with me that way. Joy is the best method to deliver hope. Every Sunday when we gather here, we, we take time to thank God for coming into our world and doing what he did for us when he went to that cross for us. And uh, this is a time of communion. At Third City, we believe that this is a worshipful experience that is for anyone who has received Christ for salvation. So we don't invite or bar anyone from partaking. We believe that's it's a table that he opens, and it's him that invites you. So you, you have to yourself decide if you're going to accept his invitation. And as we commune, I just want to finish with this thought, maybe to help set the frame for where we're headed in the next few minutes. I don't know who wrote this, but I like it. When I think about God, I thank him for Jesus. He made the stars and named them. He made the earth and the sea and framed them. He breathes life into humankind and he claims them. Before he gave the wind direction, before he assigned the moon's reflection or painted the leaves' complexion, he settled on us as his main obsession. Who, despite our rebellion, he pursued us and though sin skewed us, he viewed us as priceless so that grace would not elude us. He came to us, shed his blood on the cross, and shook the earth's foundation, shut down the gates of hell, and shocked the universe by raising him from the dead. Now sin cannot choke us, crush us, or defeat us. Shame cannot conquer, condemn, or defeat us, or beat us, because we are alive, because he is. And we will raise, because he has. And we know love, because he is love. Let's pray. Lord, you, you have proven you are proven you are God through Jesus. By coming, it shows that your 
here. You're with us. You're for us. And it's too marvelous and too complicated to explain to choose the fact that you would work through us. But we'll accept that, Lord, because that's your vision for us. So may we choose joy. And may we choose joy because you've created, you said by the joy set before you, you went to the cross, scorning at shame. And now you're elevated to the side of God where you can say, all glory and honor belong to you, and it does. But what a gift that you've come and that you're here. And we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.